This is Hearts of Oak Podcast. Free speech, religious disagreement, children's rights, and open and free discussion on any topic are bedrock to a democratic free society, and we seek to promote and champion these basic rights. Join us. Let's keep the conversation going. And good evening, Hearts of Oak. Thank you so much for tuning in on another interview. And it is an absolute pleasure to have a gentleman I met, I think, in Poland, me two months ago at the OSCE, and that's Kamal Fahmi. Kamal, thank you so much for your time today. Yeah, I'm happy really to, to join you in this interview. It is a Great to Great to have you. And the, the issues we're going to talk about are not ones that we off. We we discuss Islam in different ways, but to focus on apostasy and blasphemy, you haven't done. So I'm looking forward to uh, learning from you. And on the screen, people can see the website, freedomtoworship.org. Uh, freedomtoworship.org. Our viewers and listeners will find a lot of information about uh, freedoms, uh, looking at the Muslim world, giving stories, news items, uh, articles. There's a whole wealth of information. I would encourage our viewers and listeners to make use of that. Um, but Kamal, you're the founder of Set My People Free, which is a international NGO uh, focused on the uh, abolition of apostasy and also blasphemy laws around the world. Maybe you can take a few moments and introduce yourself before we get on to the reason you set up Set My People Free, why it's needed. But first, if I can ask you to introduce yourself to our viewers. Well, uh, my name is Kamal Fahmi. Originally, I'm from Sudan. And I, for the last 50 years, I, I was involving in missions. Uh, mostly in the Middle East. Uh, I lived in, I was born in Sudan, and then I have lived most of my life in Sudan. Started the ministry mainly to reach out to people and share the gospel with them. And then later I worked in the Middle East area all the way from Bahrain to Morocco. And uh, around 2008, I was challenged by the problems uh, people who leave Islam face, especially converts from Islam to Christianity. I met uh, a couple in Yemen, and they were uh, three generation uh, Christian, but they cannot live as Christian in their own country. And of course, in Yemen, it is death sentence for leaving Islam. And so they have to be kind of underground and uh, uh, I was approached by the father and he asked me uh, for help uh, because he he wanted to convince his son to to study Islam in school because without that they will get into trouble as a family and also uh, he will not be able to pass his school and uh, and so he wanted me to talk with him and to see if i can encourage him to do that and i thought maybe there is no problem we had people who did that in sudan but then when i spoke with him uh, we, i saw the sun the next day i was touched 
by the sun as he was a teenager, very smart, very handsome. And I thought I would not like my daughter to go through this, hmm. uh, to be forced into uh, to say the Shahada, to fast and to pray. Uh, and his father is is a, is a Christian. He himself is a Christian. And uh, this, the father has become a Christian when he was 19. And his... Uh, his, uh, and the grandfather was a Christian before the father. And oh. uh, they cannot live as Christians in their own country. And this kind of hit me. We are living in 2008. And they have left Islam, became Christians, but they cannot live and exist as Christians in Yemen. And they should face a death sentence uh, by the law. And... Uh, also on the side of the mother, the mother herself was a believer. Her grandfather had a problem with his knee. Somebody prayed for him. He was healed. He also became a Christian. So these three generations, and they are not able to live as Christians. And somehow I said, how can this be in the 20th century? Mm. That people uh, cannot change their belief and face this kind of challenge. And then... In my mind, uh, uh, I started to think of different situations. When I went to Sana'a, the capital, I met somebody who was also in prison for about seven months or six months, who was a convert, and he was arrested, and he was in prison. He was not sentenced to death, but he was under a lot of threats. And then I thought of Mahdi Dibaj in uh, Iran, was also arrested just after the Islamic Revolution. He was a convert from Islam to Christianity. And he was put uh, in jail for 10 years, and he was sentenced to death. But, of course, they didn't apply the sentence. Mm. And after a lot of international pressure, he was released. And while he was in prison, he said, I'm not only willing to suffer, uh for christ but i'm willing to die and when he was released after 10 years the guy who helped him to be released got killed after two weeks who was the pastor of the pentecostal church and then later uh, the people said to to mahdi dibai leave iran because you will face death but he said i want to serve my own people i want to share with them about uh, about my belief and he was the head of the bible society uh, his only problem was that he was a convert from islam to christianity mm. six months later he was kidnapped and a friend of mine here in sweden a iranian believer said they found him cut to pieces in a plastic bag in a park and so this started to hit me hard as i saw it, as i looked at the situation I realized there is death sentence in 12 countries, Islamic countries. They have death sentence for people who leave Islam. And then in another 12 countries, you don't have the freedom to, to really leave Islam. It is a crime if you leave. You face torture, you face imprisonment. And, and it's not for only the people who convert, but even for atheists who just leave Islam, yeah. they're considered apostates. Wow. And 
So that urged me. I felt the call that these laws should be abolished because uh, apostasy is against Article 18, which very clearly say that it's freedom of thought, conscience, and belief, which includes freedom of religion, freedom to change belief, freedom to practice the belief you have as an individual, as a group, and also to be able to share what you believe with others. And uh, apostasy does not give the right for an ex-Muslim to exist. You cannot mm -hmm. really exist uh, in an Islamic state. Uh, they face, as I said, in 12 countries, they said us in others. Uh, because the religion is written in the identity card, you cannot really change. So your children are automatically Muslims. Uh, uh, if you are a woman uh, who is, uh, has a Muslim background, you are automatically also Muslim and you cannot marry a non-Muslim. But also you face harassment and uh, legally you cannot exist. You don't have the right to exist, even in countries like Jordan, Egypt. Uh, Syria, uh, and also even in, in Morocco, you face difficulty. So that, that was a problem. And then, of course, blasphemy is another bigger issue. Mm. As if you say, for example, I don't believe in Muhammad as a prophet of God, you are considered a blasphemer. Wow. And this is ridiculous because if I believe in Muhammad, then I am a Muslim. But uh, I am not a Muslim, so you yeah. cannot force me to believe in him as a, as a prophet. I don't believe in him as a prophet. So even just questioning the, the different laws of Sharia, you are considered blasphemer. And a good example of that is the governor of Jakarta, who, who was, uh, his name was Hogg. And he he was a governor for four years. When he was going to be elected for a second term, the Islamist in uh, in uh, Indonesia said he cannot uh, be uh, be elected again because a non-Muslim cannot rule over Muslims. There was a wow. hadith like that, and uh, hadith is a law in Islam. Yep. For example, the prayer, uh, the five prayers are not actually in the Quran, but it is in the Hadith, and they, they practice the five prayers. And that Hadith was saying that a non-Muslim cannot rule over a Muslim. And Hawk uh, said, the governor said, this is a weak Hadith. Saying that it is a weak Hadith was considered a blasphemy. And, wow. Uh, he was sentenced to imprisonment. Uh, I, I don't remember the exact number of years now, but I think it was between two and five years. And he wanted to 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 appeal, and people said to him, "Better not appeal because they want to execute you for this. Uh, they want to punish you by death." So he pulled back, he spent the time in prison, and he was released. So from this, after he spent the, the sentence, and, uh, and, and you, can, you can check this in the internet, I mean. And so from this, 
from sentencing this, this guy to, to prison because saying the Hadith is weak, which said that England Muslim uh, cannot rule over or uh, rule over a Muslim was uh, was uh, was condemned for that. You know then that Islam is not really uh, uh, believing democracy because there is discrimination against non-Muslims. Yeah. They cannot rule over a Muslim. And the second thing is that it is blasphemy and it can be punishable to the extent of death, fortunately, because they are a little bit more moderate. He was sentenced to imprisonment. Wow. T t tell us more about those laws, because people think that maybe in some countries, like the Gulf states, you have more freedom. There are lots of those in the West that have gone to Dubai and UAE. Uh, obviously, the, the World Cup at the moment is in Qatar. And they've tried to brand themselves as very open for everyone. But yet in Qatar, the death penalty is there for apostasy. Um, those countries are, are not free and they're all based on Sharia law, Islamic law. Um, tell us about, because most people in the West find it difficult to even understand countries that are based simply on religious texts and don't bring any other aspect in. So can explain that, the way Islamic law kind of is overall everything. Right. Uh, I, I, it is, uh, uh, the Islamic law is over the, the Constitution, actually. Uh, they have mm. this Cairo Declaration, uh, and it speaks about freedom. They try to put all the articles, which is the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, but then at the end they say everything has to agree with Sharia. So it actually modifies what is said about freedom and so on. But, yeah, this is a big problem. Actually, I have a map. You can actually look at the map in... Uh, in our website, where okay. we uh, put the countries, uh, it is in our Ferris homepage. Okay. And there is about there were about uh, thirteen countries which had death sentence. Uh, we are thankful that Sudan has repealed the death sentence two years ago. But mm. the problem now with the coup, which was uh, which happened last year. There is a uh, possibility that again, as uh, the Islamists took over again, they go back to the same thing. But uh, the constitution was changed, and then it was repealed uh, in Sudan. And that was a great work of our Minister of Justice at that time, who is not anymore, uh, Nasruddin Abdelbari. Uh, but the rest, uh, there is still a number of countries which have death sentence in their constitution. I mean, we have, for example, Mauritania. Uh, they have death sentence. Uh, and uh, there is a, a fellow who was accused of apostasy and blasphemy, mainly because he was against, uh, against slavery in Mauritania. And he wrote a short article which condemned slavery and said that Sharia condole uh, slavery. So he was accused of apostasy for that article. He was in prison for five years. 
in uh, solitary confinement. He was not allowed to take showers because they they said he's a kafir, he's an infidel, and he they wanted to sentence him to this. He said. Uh, uh, over, close to one million, he said. This is a quite a large number of people came out asking his for his death. This guy was released after a lot of pressure. He is now living in France, and his name is Sheikh Mekhatir. So the, uh, this is it is serious. Maybe they don't kill everyone right away, but the person, the convert, is under threat the whole time, and. The problem is it's not only the 12 countries we have in red in the map, people face danger, but actually where the law does not exist, the community uh, does take on and apply the laws. So you mm -hmm. have these, uh, you call it uh, honor crimes. They are not any, in any way honor. And they uh, people get killed even in the wide areas, which we say that the, the laws give freedom for people to change. Hmm. I mean, it too, uh, uh, you can go and see a list of number of uh, uh, cases or victims who didn't survive. They were killed. Uh, like the, in 2017, uh, there was a uh, Afghani woman killed in Germany because she, she left Islam. Wow. And the guy who killed her, they said he's crazy. But it is applying the apostasy law, even in the white areas. But then you continue to see the red. It is, as you said, Qatar. Hmm. It's certain for leaving Islam. Uh, I mean, you are free if you are uh, uh, non-Muslim to become a Muslim. But for a Muslim to leave, then it is, it is a crime. Hmm. And it is then in Saudi Arabia. It is in Yemen, it is in Somalia, it is in Iran, and it is in Pakistan for blasphemy. And uh, it is also in Maldives Islands, yep. it is in Brunei. But then you have other countries where you... It used to be in United Arab Emirates, but we have discovered just at the beginning of this year they have abolished it, but we are trying to find out if it is just real or it is just said that it has been done. But uh, uh, we have checked with some people that they say they did that, that just this year, the death sentence. Okay. Uh, but uh, we need more confirmation and to see that freedom for people to really exist. Because many times, they they don't want them to come out of the closet. They want them to be quiet, and many times they will prefer if they leave the country. But uh, these are the countries which uh, we still have it, the ones I mentioned now. Uh, even Kuwait has it. Uh, this I missed it when I said the other countries. And of course, as I said, North Sudan officially has uh, abolished it two years ago, but of course, still the community put a lot of pressure. At this point, there was uh, one convert who was in jail not so long ago, the last few months, mainly because we have now a coup of Islam uh, of Islamists who are ruling mm -hmm. the, the country. But the, the laws have been changed already two years ago, and so I hope they will not go back again to death centers. Uh, then you have 
orange countries in the map. And uh, these are places like Egypt. I, I missed one country which actually is applying death centers now, is actually Libya. Because there's wow. a guy by the name of Bia has been in prison now over one month. They want him to repent to release him. This is country number 10 here. Wow. But he he's still in jail and he they want to execute him. Uh, he he is holding to his face, he's a convert to Christianity. And it is very sad. It is not in international media. Mm. If one lady was was stopped from wearing a hijab somewhere, the media are so loud and uh, turning the world upside down. And here somebody is sentenced to death. He's still in jail, mainly because he converted from Islam to Christianity. But nobody is talking about it. It is not out in the news. It is not news at all. Well, well, that's I, what... No, that, that's right. With the with the World Cup happening in Qatar, and I thought it would be the last place I would want to go to watch any sporting event. Uh, but there were discussions on oh, there's no alcohol and complaints about that. There were discussions on LGBT rights and freedoms there, but zero conversation on that the law says you can die if you want to leave Islam. And I was. Uh, yeah, well, I was frustrated watching the the some of the media who should know better and should have used the opportunity to talk about that injustice. But as you said, there is silence on it. Complete silence. It is. It is. They don't bring it up, and it is very sad. And I mean, it is quite a serious. Uh, I was sitting in with a group the other day, and and I said there should be sanction against these countries. Mm. which apply death sentence for leaving Islam. There should be freedom to believe or not to believe. But uh, they said we should not use the hammer. <laughs> but I mean, I mean, how, uh, this is, uh, li lives of people are at stake. There is uh, lack of freedom completely. Freedom of thought and conscience is trampled on. Yeah. And it, the problem, it is moving even to, towards the West, where the basis of democracy is freedom of expression. And blasphemy law quench freedom of expression. So you cannot say, I don't believe in Muhammad. It is, it is considered an insult. Mm -hmm. Or if you don't believe in the Sharia, which cut hands of people. So this is ridiculous. And I mean, people are free. I mean, God created us free. He gave us the choice. And I mean, even Jesus himself said, if you want to go to hell, go to hell. The road is wide. Yeah. And many people are going. But if you want life, there is another way. So it is uh, uh, freedom, I feel, is very crucial. And especially freedom of expression. We need to protect it because it is the basis for, for democracy. And without freedom of expression, there is no accountability. So analytical thinking, critical thinking is very important and crucial to talk about things, discuss things, and have your opinion. And the problem is we are going to a time when there is only one narrative. Yeah. And th this is not really the West I 
we we were thinking about or we we admired where there is freedom of thought conscious and uh, belief and then freedom of expression and opinion today you cannot have your own opinion mm. that everyone has an opinion and so that is a, a problem blasphemy law uh, actually strip the individual from the freedom of expression uh, there is a very good book actually called silence written by paul marshall and nina shay called silence and he, uh, he they said how uh, apostasy and blasphemy courts are uh, silencing or taking away freedom of expression and they have in it documented cases all over the world but which is happening because of these two laws hmm. and so if we continue of course it is in Saudi Arabia and you have examples of people who are in prison journalists like uh, Rai Badawi and uh, Yemen people are being imprisoned and killed there was a guy who was at the age of 16 and he he was his he was they shot his head they shot him mainly because they accused him of of being an apostate and the young fellow he wrote in his Facebook he, he said to them you accused me of apostasy you see God in the graveyard I see God in the roses Mm. And you can look for this. His name is Omar. I cannot now remember his second name, but he, he, he had his, his fo- Facebook is still there. And he and he was at the age of 16 and he was killed mm. in Aden. Wow. And uh, you will find him in, a, in, in one in our booklet, Victims of Apostasy and Blasphemy Law. We have a small booklet and we have we have the link for it in our website. You can go there and see some of the victims. And it is sad to see the number of the kids. There was a small kid, also the age of 14. He was selling coffee in uh, in Syria during the the ISIS attacks and so on. And the jihadists came to him. He was selling coffee to help his family. They came to him. They said, give us coffee free. He refused to give them coffee free. And he said, if even the prophet come down, I will let give you coffee free and this is a saying which they normally say in syria yeah yeah and the jihadists took him and shot him accusing wow. him of blasphemy wow so look at our booklet victims of apostasy and blasphemy law you will see how this law is impacting lives of many individuals and some lost their lives some survived but they went through trauma uh for 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 this hmm. so we need to really stand together to see these laws abolished uh, well I, I wanna um i wanna bring up uh the website again and that's what people will find uh that is the that's the book i was talking about victims of apostasy and blasphemy laws in islam and then further down that's the map we were looking at so everything is on the front page of freedom to worship.org uh, so please do go and make use of it come on can i ask you about the you taking this message out i obviously met you at the osce conference an intergovernmental conference looking at human rights looking at the political angle uh, you've been there 
a number of times. Do you want to let us know what you raise and the response you get every time you've been there? Uh, I, I think we are in a kind of a battle for heart and minds. I think most of the people, have they didn't know this. Yeah. And it was uh, an eye-opener to mm. many. Uh, and I think there is more people today uh, are aware of the problem. Uh, the only thing is, and of course there have been moves to try to stop it. Yeah. Because, but uh, what what is I mean they agree most of most of the people I speak with agree this is a problem. The only thing we are not doing anything about it. Mm. It is not out in the mainstream media. It is not an issue which is people are trying to see change. Uh, they are trying to to use a carrot instead of putting pressure to see this issue change. Uh, uh, well, I'm thankful that uh, they are putting some... They, uh, at this point, there is a, a bigger change towards protecting the freedom of expression. People realize more and more the problem. But I think they have to take a strong step to see this stop. Uh, I feel we are in a better situation than when we started, but I still, still think we have a long way. When there was a problem of apartheid in South Africa, the whole world stood against that and worked for equality. Now here we have even a worse situation where you are not allowed to even to exist as a formal Muslim. You are not allowed to exist and you have in, your, in front of you 12 countries where you have death sentence. We need to take uh, bold steps to put pressure. So Article 18 and 19 in the Universal Declaration of Human Rights be applied. Because without taking away these laws, you will still have problem with the issue of jihadists, with the issue of terrorists, because here they want to enforce the application of these laws. But we need to stand and say enough is enough with this. This has to stop. We have the right to ask for the application of Article 18 and 19. So there has not been strong uh, steps to see this uh, uh, stop. And mm. you see it with what happened with Charlie Hebdo and other journalists. I'm very thankful that the Fresh M uh, government showed what the caricatures and so on. Yes. But I think we need more steps to put pressure and say what is right is right, what is wrong is wrong, and really stand behind the freedom of thought and conscience and belief and freedom to live, and freedom not to believe, freedom of expression and opinion. And I think we need to take more uh, strong steps saying this is wrong. Uh, 
lately there, there were 25 countries which have signed a letter condemning apostasy and blasphemy law. Mm. Uh, and that was through the Ministerial for Religious Freedom. And this was done like three years ago. Okay. Uh, of uh, uh, of Trump when uh, Brownback was uh, ambassador at Trump for religious freedom, and lately Australia and are heading spearheading with Holland a campaign to end killing for uh, for religion, mm. and which is mainly uh, working to abolish apostasy and blasphemy law. So there is steps like. Like this, but I think we need to take more steps to sanction the countries which applied, because without sanctioning it and condemning it openly, this will continue, and this impact lives of many people. I mean, you see what happened to Salman Rushdie now in New York, and this is again application of blasphemy law, and you cannot kill somebody for the way he thinks or for not believing, and many ex-Muslims are facing death threats worldwide. Uh, yep. They are under protection by the police. Even here in Sweden, they are protected uh, because of fear of people killing them. And so, but we have to stand together and say enough, enough with this, and this has to be stopped. I mean, there is no serious steps which has been taken to condemn this issue, condemn the issue of apostasy and blasphemy law. But I think people are more aware they are trying to do some steps, but as I said before, they want to use more the the this uh, using a carrot instead of saying this is wrong and this has to be changed, and there must be some pressure applied. So they, for the sake of people who suffer under this, yeah. But I, I also think it's you look at the laws and you're talking about the legislation in. Muslim countries, but also you refer to the freedoms in the West, and we think people are free to choose and change their religion. But I've talked to a number of converts from Islam to Christianity, and they have to be extremely careful. Uh, they have been attacked verbally, they've been attacked physically. And I think, well, this is happening in England, which supposedly has freedom, but you realize that that same understanding, that same belief system that restricts freedoms in Islamic countries still is within Islamic communities here in the UK. And it seems to be often the law of Islam is the one that reigns and not always the law of the land in those communities. This is this is very true because uh, we have a friend here who is a convert. She Ha, uh, that person had to be lucky because that person could not have passed, got their degree in, the, in their studies for Islam inside mm. Europe if they knew their stand and that they are converts. They had mm. to do it really very, very lucky, and that is uh, in Sweden. And uh, many actually under protection and uh, and so you are right, you are right, they face it even here. It is, uh, but I think we need to condemn it more openly and say this enough yeah. with it. Uh, and uh, and that really to work hard to punish 
any perpetrators or some some people who who does it i mean even like nigeria they have death sentence in the north and now there has been a lot of attack against non non non-muslims within nigeria and and nobody is speaking against what is happening there it is the main cause of it is again apostasy and blasphemy law and uh, and uh, they are putting pressure on non-muslims to christians mm. especially i mean blowing churches attacking uh, taking their land and yeah. all these are initiated by these laws and uh, and again there is no uh, international condemnation of this they use other reasons to say this is happening mm-hmm. and i mean uh, uh, it is a problem and uh, even t- just now at this time even in sudan there is a a man who has uh, ha- who has been uh, a convert who uh, to to christianity who is a pastor in the church and god has been using him to heal people and he heals some of his family so other other muslim flock to the church to get healing and god has been healing them and then this guy was arrested and they accused him of being a witch and uh, and mainly because he, they said he's a, a christian witch and uh, they he was in prison unfortunately the laws because now are more free as there was a court case he was released but again he's under threats now by the community some of the islamist community for what he's wow. doing and i mean he has not done anything bad and mainly because he is a convert and because somehow lives of people have been changed people have been flocking there because they saw god doing something and that has made it made these people more open towards Christianity, which made the community upset. And mm. so, even as you said before, when, so we need, we need to put pressure, these laws to be applied, and that to stand together, to express the importance of uh, freedom of expression, and the right to say, I don't believe in Muhammad as a prophet of God. Because, yeah. I mean, there is no force. You should have the freedom to believe or not to believe. And uh, it is, uh, the Creator has given this, us this freedom and we have to have it. And I think the freedom of choice is very key mm-hmm. in democracy. If you don't have the freedom of choice, then uh, forget it. And if you die because you choose something different, that that is uh, that is uh, really awful. So well, I think it, we we need to see more uh, people working with this. Hmm. I I just want to ask you about where ju- this will go. Just before Christmas, uh, we are here. You you said you're in in Sweden. I'm in the UK, and we have freedoms here, and we've talked a lot about freedoms and freedoms that are not afforded to those who live in the Muslim world. Um, tell us what that means for someone who is a is a Christian living in many of those countries. And we have the joy of being able to meet with 
other people. Uh, as Christians, we can meet other Christians. Many people who are not Christians still celebrate the joyous time of Christmas. Um, and I guess in many Middle Eastern countries, in many Islamic countries, it's very different and you cannot celebrate this time as you would here in the West. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like Brunei, for example, some years, just two or three years ago, they just forbid celebrating Christmas in Brunei completely wow. for everybody. And, uh, and of course, there is minority of Christians who come who are living there and working there. I mean, in Sudan, before the, the fall of this Islamic government, they uh, people were going around on the street. We went one Christmas in 2017, uh, I remember. No, not 2017, about 2000, and uh, uh, maybe I think 2007, and okay. they they were even didn't want people to say merry christmas to other to the christians they don't people to celebrate it but uh, i think in many countries for the convert they cannot openly celebrate uh, converts who have come to know christ yeah they cannot openly celebrate christmas uh, in 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 these red countries and also in the countries where it is illegal there was a a Muslim guy who went, wanted to go, who converted to Christianity, wanted to go into a church in Egypt. He was arrested by the police art because they discovered he's a Muslim going to a church. He was Sudanese. They put him in jail. They sent him back to Sudan. And that was like uh, uh, around, it was like eight years ago. And so they don't have the freedom to celebrate as converts. Yeah. They, they have problem to go to churches. Uh, but I think in a way, most some of these countries, the orange, the red, uh, foreigners are celebrating, but local people who are converts, they cannot really openly celebrate Christmas yeah. and go to church yeah. or meet together and worship openly. They mostly meet in secret. Uh, but I mean, at least uh, some, of course, they have decorations. Uh, Christians are celebrating uh, where traditionally there were Christians. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, Christians from, from Christian background in Egypt or in Jordan or in Syria, they celebrate Christmas, Iraq. But mm -hmm. if they are convert, they have difficulty to do that. Uh, yeah. But some countries have made it even difficult for even the minorities or the the Christians from other countries who are living in their country to, to celebrate. But convert, they don't have the chance at all to do that. Yeah. Uh, and so it had been going in a way from one country to the other. Uh, I mean, I, I, I passed through Qatar once, flying back during Christmas. They had no, no decoration for Christmas in the airport, not anywhere. I wow. don't know how it is with the foreign churches. If they have, they can celebrate in the church, maybe in their own meeting or within the church compound, maybe in their homes, it should be possible. But there were no signs of celebrations. Uh, some other airports in Dubai and so on, you find a lot of decorations and Christmas things, I think. 
and uh, the local, uh, the minorities who are from other countries, also they celebrate. But I think converts always will have problem. It yeah. is very. I know Brunei for sure doesn't allow Christmas celebration wow. because it, it came out strongly. Uh, I think Somalia will be another place which will be very difficult to celebrate Christmas. Uh, the same is with Mauritania. And of course, even in Nigeria, they face problems because the churches are attacked many times yeah. during Christmas. And uh, so it is hard to say Tunisia maybe is more open. We don't have it here with uh, with uh, with any of the colors, but still I think they fa face pressure from the community, but according to the law, now the the church has been accepted in Tunisia. Uh, yeah. But uh, as I think generally, where there is traditional Christians from the beginning, because actually Christianity started in this area and it has died in many of these countries, but where it still exists, they 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 celebrate, mm. but for convert this is very difficult. They most of them they have to be underground in the orange and the red countries in the map. They cannot really have the freedom to openly go, uh, uh, express their faith in Christ. Uh, it is also similar sometimes. Of course, even in the West, you find a convert from from Christianity or from atheism to Islam, they always have their faces out that they speak. But if you have a convert from from, from Islam to Christianity, yeah. they don't appear. Yeah. Because then their life is in danger. Yeah. And of course, uh, you had the, the story of uh, who, the guy who had Merry Christmas in his shop who was killed even in London once. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so... So it is it is harder for the converts or for the more tolerant people within. Uh, but I think in a number of these countries where there were traditionally Christians, sometimes, of course, because uh, we have to separate between uh, somebody. I mean, it is like somebody saying all the West are Christians. Of course, mm. some are not Christians. The same are some of the Muslims are not practicing Muslims. Yeah. They're more terrorists, but if they are serious in their face, then they can be dangerous. Yeah. So it is. It is. It is. It is not. Uh, so it, it you can be nominal, and some of these maybe are more open and tolerant with uh, with the others and open to have relationship. And I mean, through my life, of course, I had a lot of friends who are from a Muslim background, but. Uh, the thing is the the ideology we have to think about, and the more you are uh, practicing the the ideology, then you are you are in more trouble and difficulty. Yeah, I mean you cause more problems. Yeah. So we have always to to think of that. So apostasy and blasphemy law are part of the Sharia, and when they are applied, then of course it is it is a big problem, and mm -hmm. it is actually applied as we saw here in this. 12 countries where you have death sentence for leaving Islam yeah. and uh, other countries where it is a crime to do that. But I think where there is traditional Christians, there is more freedom uh, because the church existed there for, for a long time. Mm. Yeah. Mm. 
Kamal, thank you so much for your time. It's a, a subject that does not get a lot of attention, and that's why I was very keen to to have you on. And to the viewers and to the listeners, please go and make yourself the website freedomtoworship.org. You can sign up to the newsletter. You can donate. You can support the work there. Uh, and all the news items information is there. So it is a, a great resource to help educate those of us who live in countries that are free and realize that the world isn't all like that. So Kamal, thank you so much for your time today. It's been wonderful to have you on. I would like just to add with one sentence. Yep. What Martin Luther King have said once, he said, at the end, I will not remember the words of my enemies, but the silence of my friend. And my plea for whoever watched this program to speak out for justice for these people who are facing death threat through their life just because they refuse to believe or because they wanted to change. They wanted to become atheists. They wanted to become Christians. They wanted to leave Islam. And so please speak out because injustice anywhere is injustice everywhere. And we need to stand for justice, for freedom, and please stand for the application of Article Universal Declaration of Human Rights, Article 18 and 19. That's a perfect way to end, a call for people to get involved and to speak up. Thank you so much. Um, to our viewers and listeners, thank you for tuning in. Make use of the website. If you've been listening on the Go On podcasting platforms, thank you for that. Um, and we will see you very soon for our next interview. So we'll say thank you very much to our viewers and listeners and goodbye. Thank you, Peter. If you like what we do, Sign up to our mailing list, donate, share, and subscribe to our many platforms at heartsofvoke.org. Thank you for listening.